Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Hosanna. We are so glad you're with us today, whether you're joining us live at one of the campuses or you're watching online, either, the, either way, we are just so glad that you're with us today. Uh, my name's Jason, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are wrapping up our series called The Rest of History, where we are looking at the life of Jesus after the resurrection. Now, Easter gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so, but if we stop there, we are going to miss out on so, so much more. Um, we essentially started on Easter looking at how Jesus came back from the dead, and because of that, that makes him God. And as God, he can cause the things that may feel dead in our life to rise again, to come back to life. Uh, then Pastor Jen talked about uh, the 40 days that after Jesus came back from the dead and how he appeared and interacted with the disciples and actually was seen by hundreds of people and just the impact that that had. Then Pastor Ryan last week talked about the ascension and how the ascension is almost as important as the resurrection because if Jesus would have stayed here on the earth, if he was still walking among us today, he would be limited to that time and location. But because he ascended and he sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit, now he is over all things all the time. But that's not the end of the story. There's one more chapter yet to be written, and that is the return of Jesus. And I love how God works things out. I just, I, I think the timing of this message is rather profound because I wonder how many of us over this past year, over this past week, have been praying, Lord Jesus, please come back. As I have been praying over this message and I start to really dig into the material, I, I'm just letting you know right now, uh, I quickly discovered there's far more that we could say uh, about this topic than we have time to actually get to today. Uh, it may feel a little academic at times, but I promise you we will land on what does the return of Jesus mean for us today. And again, as I've been working through this, what I realized is that it, it really comes down to a few key questions. Because as you know, asking the right question is always really important. Um, for example, uh, one of the things you may not know about me is that in my family, I'm the neat Nick. Like I'm, I'm the one who is constantly cleaning. And actually, it's one of the benefits of being an empty nester is that your house stays way cleaner. Uh, but back in the day when the kids were younger and everyone was still at home, um, there was this one Sunday afternoon that I'm standing there and I'm going, wait a minute. I did this exact same cleaning like just two days ago on Friday. How does a house get so destroyed in two days? And it's kind of funny how you ask yourself a question that you already know the answer to. Uh, so I, I went to find the rest of my family. They were downstairs, had a card table out. They were playing a, a game. And I just walked up and I said, family, it occurs to me I'm doing the exact same cleaning I did just two days before. And so I just want to remind all of us of something that we've talked about before, and that is if you take something out, when you're done using it, just please put it back. All you got to remember is if you take it out, then put it back. And that's when my youngest son, Cole, who was nine at the time, he raised his hand. And I thought to myself, hey, look at this. He's asking a question. He's, he's being patient. He's not interrupting. Uh, maybe he wants to know how he can help out even more. And so I looked at him and I said, yes, Cole. And he said, but dad, 
isn't it kind of your job to clean up after us? <laughs> I paused. And my oldest son, Josh, made the same sound that some of you just made. After he heard that, he just went, oh, Cole. And that's when I got down on one knee, got onto Cole's level, and I leaned in nice and close. And I made it abundantly clear what my job is and what my job isn't. He asked the wrong question. Now, the moral of the story is actually kind of good because Cole is now 24, living on his own, and his apartment is virtually spotless. And what he says to me these days is like, Dad, I get it. I understand now. I'm just like you. I can't stand a messy apartment. So parents, if you have a child who is a complete slob, there is hope. Uh, but don't miss my point. I, I tell you that story because it really is important to ask the right questions. And so as I approach this message, this message today, I tried to put myself in your shoes. Like I, I wondered, what would you ask when it comes to the return of Jesus? And one of the questions I kind of crossed off the list is the if question. Like, I, I don't think you're actually wondering, well, will Jesus actually come back? I mean, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you probably know that your Christian friends really do believe that Jesus is coming back because there's all kinds of authors of Scripture that make that really, really clear. Uh, like, for example, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, uh, he says this, he, being Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they, the disciples, were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So Luke is just establishing, yep, Jesus is going to return. But what's interesting here is he begins to touch on the how question, like what will it look like when Jesus comes back? So if we're alive... When Jesus returns, we will see him visually, bodily. He will descend from heaven the same way he ascended to heaven. And by the way, it will be unmistakable. Uh, Jesus talks about that. As he was talking about his return with the disciples, he said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So when Jesus returns, it will be mistakable. We, we won't have to wonder, uh, did it happen? And I missed it? I mean, Mark actually echoes that when he says, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. The return of Jesus, it will be grand, it will be visual, uh, it will be sudden. We will see it and we will hear it. And it actually made me kind of think or wonder to myself, will everyone everywhere be able to see the return of Jesus at the same time? And I don't know. Maybe Jesus is going to take a victory lap around the world as he gathers his people. We, we just don't know. I just trust that anyone who comes back from the dead probably has a plan for his return. So, some foundational, yeah, Jesus is going to return and impart what it's going to look like. So now we can turn to the next question of why. Why is Jesus coming back? Well, again, Luke makes it really clear. He just says, Jesus is the one appointed by God 
to be judge of all, the living and the dead. Jesus is coming back to serve as the final judge for all mankind. As Jesus himself describes it, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations, meaning all people both living and dead, will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. When Jesus returns, everyone who has put their hope and faith and trust in him, everyone who, because of that, uh, putting their trust in Jesus as their savior, as they begin to live out their faith, they put their faith into action, acts of love and service and charity to others, they will be taken up to heaven. But those who continue to do evil, those who continue to reject Jesus, they also will live eternally. But as Jesus describes it, they will go away into eternal punishment. Now, honestly, there's a lot we don't know about the afterlife. And whenever I'm confronted with something I don't know, I always go back to what I do know. That the authors of scripture and Jesus himself makes it clear there is a heaven and there is a hell. And hell is eternal separation from God. And on a personal note, I think hell is going to be the place where the three S's take place. Scrabble, Sudoku, and scratching cats. That, my friends, is hell. But don't miss the point. Jesus is returning one day to be the final judge, and we are going to be held accountable for our one and only life. And whether or not we accept or reject Jesus in this life will determine if Jesus will accept or reject us when he returns. The second reason uh, why Jesus is coming back is to bring his people home. (laughs) I mean, to a new heaven and new earth that Jesus is preparing for us right now, a place so grand that our minds can't even conceive of it. At least that's what Paul says when he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What God originally created as perfect that was radically changed when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, it is going to all be made right again one day. The apostle John, when he had a vision of Jesus' return, this is what he said. I I heard a a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. I mean, it's hard to imagine a reality like that. And I get it. When we talk about the end of the world, even for us as followers of Jesus, that can be a little unnerving at times. But we do not have to fear the return of Jesus because of what we have waiting for us. The the un imaginable joy that we are going to experience when every pain, every sorrow, every injustice, every disease, even death itself is going to be wiped away by the love and power of Jesus Christ. That is something to look forward to. And so the answer to why Jesus is coming back is to serve as the final judge and to serve as loving savior to bring his people home. So now we can turn to the next question. The million dollar question, when? When will Jesus return? Uh, Well, I'm just gonna be upfront with you and some of you are not gonna like my answer, but nobody knows and nobody will know. 
I mean, we just have to trust Jesus on that. When he himself said, talking to the disciples about his return, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So nobody knows and nobody will know. And I, I fully acknowledge that may feel like an insufficient answer for some of you. I get it. But here's what I can tell you. We are living in the end times. And I can say that not because I poured through a bunch of prophecies from Daniel and Revelation and I'm not going to make a statement about pre-trib, post-trib, a-trib, and if you don't know what a trib is, don't worry about it. Uh, I, I can say that because the end times began the moment Jesus ascended into heaven. At least that's what the writers in the New Testament really believe. Like, for example, the, the author of Hebrews, he begins his letter by saying, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. The apostle Paul wrote to the, the church in Philippi. He said, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote, you too must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. And then Peter was just Peter. He just came right out and he said, listen, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in all your prayers. The reason I can say that we are living in the end times is because the New Testament writers believed that we were living in the end times. And so we can join those New Testament writers and believers throughout the last 2,000 years in looking forward to Jesus returning soon. But that might raise a question in your mind, like, well, does that mean every generation has been wrong? I mean, like, wrong that Jesus could come back at any time? No. And here's why I say that. Peter was writing to a group of believers who may have been getting mocked for believing that Jesus was about to return, like his return was eminent. And look what Peter wrote to him. He said, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God exists outside of time. Like, we, we don't know God's timing. It's not as if he is bound by a checklist. And as soon as, you know, all the boxes get checked, it's like, okay, Jesus, you got to come back now. Um, it, it's, it's why, now, I'll say this. For sure, Jesus has give us, given us indicators of signs of uh, where his return could be very soon. Things like wars and famines and earthquakes and natural disasters. But unfortunately, every generation has had their share of wars and famines and earthquakes and natural disasters. And in the events of the, over this past year, it would be easy to look at all that's happened and think, the Lord is going to come back any moment. But the truth is, we've been living in the end times from the moment that Jesus ascended up to heaven. So, We've talked about briefly the how question, the talked about the why question, the when question, and that actually leads us to the final question. What does the return of Jesus mean for us and the rest of our history? Well, here's what I would say. We gotta stick to our purpose, not try to predict. Just stick to our purpose and let's not try to predict. And I say that because of what Paul wrote to a group of believers uh, in the church in Thessalonica when uh, they may have been trying to 
like really predict when Jesus was going to come back. And look at what Paul said to them. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. So Paul is just saying, listen, stop trying to predict. Because when Jesus comes back, it's, it's going to be like that. And in the same way you can't predict when a thief is going to strike, you cannot predict when Jesus is going to return. And I, I say this in part because I'm guessing some of us maybe have seen some YouTube clips or maybe a Christian uh, television uh, program where you, like a person or a pastor was on there and they felt like they cracked the code. Like they had interpreted the, the prophecies and uh, kind of compared them to the events of our current day and they felt like they knew when Jesus was gonna return. If you hear someone like that, you can just ignore them because nobody knows when Jesus will return and nobody will know. Besides, if all we're trying to do is predict, we're gonna miss out on our purpose. And what is our purpose? Well, Jesus makes that really clear. Uh, during the 40 days after he came back to life and he uh, visited and talked with the disciples and actually he was saw, seen by hundreds of other people as well. And there's this one interaction he has with the, the disciples where actually they're asking the wrong question. Look at what they say. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Here the disciples are sitting with the resurrected Savior. Jesus was dead and back to life, and they're still thinking he's come back as a political Savior, not a spiritual Savior. They're, they're saying, okay, is the time to restore Israel to our grandness and our power again? But look what Jesus says. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Listen, folks, as long as we are alive, or until Jesus comes back, we have a job to do. We have a clear purpose, and that is to tell as many people as we can about the good news of Jesus Christ. God has entrusted us with the life-changing, eternity-changing message of Jesus. That's why we weren't taken up to heaven the moment we put our faith and trust in him. We are God's plan A. We have a job to do. It's why this church exists, to humbly and boldly help people look more like Jesus and multiply Jesus. There are people in our sphere of influence right now, people who are far from God, who need us to start a spiritual conversation with them. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be acting with a sense of urgency because we don't know how much longer we have. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back to act as the final judge, to separate the sheep from the goats, the faithful from the unfaithful, with one group being lifted to heaven, the other eternally separated from God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus listening today, Again, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be concerned about with the return of Jesus. Instead, we can eagerly look forward to it because what is in store for us? Unimaginable joy. But there's others of us that may be listening today that if Jesus came back today, right now, would you be sure that you would be welcomed into heaven? Today, you can take steps to do exactly that you can write the next chapter 
in your story by taking hold of his story, Jesus' story. And it begins with a prayer. It begins by asking to be forgiven of your sins, by committing to following Jesus, to doing your best to live the way that he wants you to live. And you do that, and you can be sure that you will be welcomed into heaven, that you will live with the promise of eternity and the promise that there will be more to this life in this life, because that's also what Jesus came to bring. You do that, and you will be one of those people that Peter talked about, that he has patiently waited for you for this moment to say yes, yes to his free offer of grace, forgiveness, and then to live with his promise of power and love in your life. If that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, for those of us who are already following you, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you have prepared and you have waiting for us. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us in this life. Father, that is something that only you can do. But Lord, I also want to I want to pray for and with those people that want to be sure today, that they want to take that step and become a follower of yours. And so if, if that's you, I just want you to quietly pray along with me because God knows your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm the person that Jesus is talking about. I'm the person that Jesus has patiently waited for. And so today, Lord, I just ask to be forgiven. I, I just, I want to turn to you and I want to live in the reality of your grace and your truth and I want to live with the promise of heaven. So from this day forward, I'm going to do my best to follow you because I believe and I trust that's where the best life is found. And together we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Again. Thanks for being with us today. And if you were one of those folks who just prayed along with me, here's what I want you to do. Go to our website right now. As soon as this service is done, go to our website. Click on the Yes to Jesus button. Uh, let us know that you made this decision because there's resources we want to get in your hands. We want to help you and walk alongside you as you continue to grow in your faith. And then otherwise, I want to invite you back for next weekend because we're going to be starting a new series called God in Trauma. I mean, my goodness, we can experience enough trauma in a normal year. And nothing has been normal in this past year. And so we're going to anchor into Psalm 129. You're going to want to be here for that series. Otherwise, receive this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless you with his grace and keep you in his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We'll see you next week.